passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Welcome to Rewind a Dynamite. It is John Pollock here alongside Waiting. Hello, Way. Hey, John. Welcome. How are you doing on this Wednesday evening? Doing all right. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. It's a much slower dynamite, I thought, tonight. I relaxed. Really? Um, compared to last week, yes. Oh, okay. On a scale, uh, yes. Uh, I didn't notice a signif- significant difference, but... Maybe. Well, maybe I, I, I changed things up. I, uh, I I decided to write my notes. What, by hand? Just, by hand. I just thought. Why, why is not? that? I just felt like it. Like, well, let's change it up a little. That's a, interesting. Okay. And, and yet you found the show slower when writing by hand versus typing. Interesting. Maybe I cracked the AEW code. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. I feel when you're writing longhand, you're going to be more judicious. Like, what is, what is the most important thing here? I think when mm. you're typing, you might overtype. I think that's always a, a potential issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. You're going to keep this up? There's nothing interesting about this. This is the nerdiest conversation possible, but um, uh, I'll see. Maybe. Uh, it's not up to me, but I will I will see. I might, might continue. Who is it up to? What are you talking about? I, mean, I don't know. We will see. We'll see how this review goes. If people enjoy it, then it'll be up to them, right? Can Can I get a glimpse of the notes? The notepad? I got one. Two, oh. three. I got four pages of notes here. Oh my! Well, this is how you used to do it, right? Yes, yes. This is how I would. I've, um, in the past, like when we when we would go to shows, you know, back uh, you know a decade ago when we used to actually go out and, and go to wrestling shows. I would, right. This is how I would take notes, and you. Would, but like, you like would, what? Like for the law, did you did you do it with the laptop at, back then, or or was it by hand at that point? No, no, it'd be on a computer. Oh. Okay, you're right. Yeah, nobody cares about this. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> uh, anything you want to uh, make mention of before we go into Dynamite Way? Anything at all. doesn't have to be site-related, show-related. This can be just anything you want to get off your chest before we go into Dynamite from the Michelob Ultra Arena in Las Vegas. Um, no, I guess nothing that we, we didn't really mention this afternoon on the uh, post-Daily News update. Well, tonight's show... Surprisingly started with the steel cage match. It was all uh, set up for Wardlow and Sean Spears to kick off the program. And MJF was out as the special referee. And Wardlow is brought out in his handcuffs. The announcers are noting this is a, this is a great entrance that, that he's got. They're right. This is not exact. This is supposed to be a punishment for him, but it's been very beneficial. So he is in his handcuffs. MJF cannot find the key. So the bell rings and MJF starts attacking him along with Sean Spears and Wardlow is defenseless where he is in the handcuffs. His face is rammed into the cage, but then all of a sudden Wardlow kicks away at Spears, but they explain he can't lay his hands on MJF because he will be disqualified and then lose his match on Sunday. So instead MJF is aware of all of this and suddenly Wardlow rips off the handcuffs, a truly great spot. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, I think you always run the risk of going too comic booky, a little potentially cheesy if not done right. But for whatever reason, maybe because it's in front of a crowd that's absolutely craving a comic book 
sort of Hulk type of villain here, uh, it came across really well. It came across exactly, I think they as as they wanted wanted it to. It was a it was a great visual. This crowd they were so hot for this match. I would argue this this match. I mean, there were certainly there was a great vibe for the face to face, but for any of the match, I thought this was the hottest. The crowd sounded all night was for this. Agreed. Yeah. So he is broken broken out of it, and he hits a senton atomico on Spears, but MJF will not count three. He then goes for a power bomb and MJF kicks him low and Spears gets up C4 and still kicks out despite MJF registering a fast count. Spears goes to the floor to get a chair and brings it into the ring. And MJF is holding Wardlow. Spears winds up and dude, he sent MJF down to the canvas with a brutal chair shot. There were I didn't, there were I didn't there see was the hands n- go up. No hands. There were no hands. It, mm-hmm. He just clocked him on top of this. And MJF goes down. He's out. The crowd is chanting, you, uh, you fucked up. And the straps come down. Powerbomb Symphony. He, he hits three of them to Spears as the crowd is losing their mind. Bryce, Bryce Runsberg is in. And then the fourth and final powerbomb is registered on top of the chair as Wardlow pins him in six minutes and 53 seconds. Then he goes to powerbomb MJF, but all of security runs in. One by one, they are all sent flying by Wardlow. One dude gets powerbombed into the cage, and the visual is Wardlow as uh, King Kong standing on top of the cage, uh, eyeing down MJF, who was selling on the ramp. Um, I'll get it out of the way. I could have done without the chair shot. but um, I, I agree, um, but you know... Last time they tried something like this, if we remember, it was with Cody. Yes, and, and that one that, went well. Well, that was supposed to be some sort of um, they, worked they, chair They claim shot. they had some kind of worked chair shot. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what uh, Doc Brown uh, created for them uh, in, in terms of a chair. Um, I don't know. So I believe that the, it was probably just the interior, sort of like the, the that sheet of metal that was probably like a softer metal. And what had ended up happening was the frame that was really solid uh, ended up catching Cody and made him bleed a, a great deal uh, and give him a concussion from what I recall. I'm sure um, this was not straight metal on skull. Um, that, that, that said, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to give a, a benefit of the doubt that this is a, a great idea either. Sure. Yeah, you're of course welcome to th- think that. Of course, you know ultimately, um, people watch and people mimic. And is is it? Are we in 2022, knowing what we know about concussions? Is this even the right spot to you know broadcast on TV? It's a valid question to ask. I'd love to know some follow up coming out of this, whether or not that was exactly you know um, as as it looked, or if it was something that they took a bit more precautions for. Um, because they tried this previously in the past with Sean Spears. I'm willing to at least be open to hearing exactly what happened here. But of course it is something that you should be concerned about just as still a, an a object with viewer. like impact that the head is absorbing, like at, at its baseline. Um, yeah. But I mean, people do like trash can, you know, uh, shots to the head. And it, not, those not, those not aren't great either great. way. Like this is, this is like you're, you're striking the head with objects. Like I, I don't think um, it can be worse um, based on the object, but it's still, it's still trauma to the head that, that we're, we're looking at here. And this was, this was hardly a shot that like he wound up and just nailed this guy with this, right. whatever it was. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and defend shots to the head with any sort of object. I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't like, um, you know, like running too fast and pulling a hamstring. So I'm not really somebody who's here to, to say what's good and what's not. I'm just saying that. I'm, I'd like to know exactly whether or not this was a, a real chair shot. Cause if it was a solid steel, uh, regular chair, then yeah, it would be responsible, irresponsible. But I'd like to know the, some follow up. That's all. All that said, um, I thought this was an ex- excellent segment. This got know. over huge. This was the, to, to me, I, I would say this even above the face to face. I thought this was the most effective thing on the entire show. This crowd was amped for this the entire way. And this has been a terrific build for this matchup Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the result itself of this match, I mean, was was probably the most predictable result of this entire show. But the journey of getting there was still filled with enough surprise and drama 
to make the match completely satisfying. I love the way that they stacked these odds against Wardlow in this challenge. I mean, what is supposed to be a very foregone conclusion? He needs to win this match to get to the pay-per-view. Of course, he's going to win. But they gave him three handicaps here. The first handicap being, uh, you know, you had basically a double team, you know, with, with Spears and MJF. You had Wardlow for the first half of this match completely in handcuffs. So he had to fight the match in handcuffs. And secondly, he can't even attack the referee even after breaking through the handcuffs or else he he, he risks the, the disqualification. So they continue to just make Wardlow, despite being so large, just the most sympathetic, you know, monster that I think we've seen in quite some time. Um, the theatrical moments that they embedded in this match with Wardlow doing some dramatic pausing before breaking through those handcuffs to him slowly rising in the background after that chair shot. Behind Sean Spears, I thought that was some excellent blocking. And of course, you know, the arena panning shot of Wardlow standing on top of that cage. In terms of, I think, direction and smoothness, um, I think it's one of the best stories AEW has produced. And especially considering how Wardlow is a complete AEW original. And I would say MJF, you know, to, to a big extent too, is, is very, you know, it's not somebody who came in with like a big deal of notoriety, uh, before starting this company. Like I think as a original story between two guys who didn't, who don't rely on their existing star power, like a Kenny or a punk. I, I think AEW like told has been telling one of their best stories so far. So, um, we'll see if they can, you know, um, end it, end it strong on Sunday. Yeah, and then it becomes the other test of Wardlow away from MJF as well. Like that's sort of the the next chapter of his career that, I mean, could you have set the table any better for this guy to be this breakout babyface coming out of this feud? I, I mean, judging by this, these reactions, man, like they're they're definitely on their way, if not already there. Uh, Jim Ross and the broadcasters uh, noted uh, the victims in Texas and um, just acknowledging it and saying that something's got to stop as well. It was a very somber statement that they acknowledged and then went to break and came back where the Jericho Appreciation Society were backstage walking around and they ran into a PA who was wearing a John Moxley T-shirt. And this man was met with a fireball to the face. Mm hmm. Poor guy. Could this guy press charges? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Of course. This was pretty uh, this fairly was, unprovoked. Yeah, Man I didn't mean. sign up for this. This could be a lawsuit. Well, this was certainly assault. Yeah, fireball to the face. I mean, um, I'm, I, I mean, I'm sure there's there's some something against that. Tony Schiavone is in the ring and brings out CM Punk, followed by Hangman Page and... It was a pretty big CM Punk chant, but, you know, they both had their supporters in this, which contributed to the segment. And Punk notes that some will say that the biggest moment of his career happened here in Las Vegas. I think most would say that. And he loves the fans. And respectfully, he says that he is going to be coming out of double or nothing as the champion. And it's just a pretty straightforward message from Punk. And Paige gets the microphone, and he is definitely receiving a mixed reaction and says that nothing that Punk can do will be able to take the title away from him. And Punk says, I don't know why you're taking this so personally. There's a whole locker room that are after you because you're the champion, and that's all I'm doing. It's my turn to try and become the champion. And Paige explains that I said I would embarrass and annihilate you, but I'm not going to do that at double or nothing. I'm going to do it right now. And says, I could roll up a pipe bomb and light it, roll it up to your feet. But he realizes I can't do that. Not because I'm afraid of getting fired or of you, but it's what you would do in this situation. And he's basically stating that in Punk's cowardice, uh, he would, he would go for a pipe bomb. And he pities CM Punk. He has no respect for what he's done since coming to AEW and says a champion is determined by what happens when the red, red light goes off and what you do when you don't think anyone else is watching. You talk about workers' rights, and yet when you've come here, you've done the exact opposite. This is my home, and I'm defending all of AEW from you. And Punk says that you've you're really talking in circles. This is like one big riddle. And he says that he respects Paige. 
and that the road traveled to get here was paved by me and that this house was constructed by the tree that I chopped. I gave the blueprint for what would be AEW and he's telling Paige, you're going to shake my hand and he puts his hand and then shoves Hangman who just nails Punk with this huge punch and drops Punk to the floor and he is left with a smile as Hangman takes off with the idea that he played into Punk's game and he got emotional and struck him here. Um, I thought the crowd was really into this. I thought the performances were, were good, but I thought that the page side certainly needed to be fleshed out a lot more. Like mm-hmm. this to me was the start of something and not like you were just left with, I think, a lot of questions like, what are you referring to? And this was not a go home promo for, for me a couple days before the match. I thought it was a good segment overall, and I thought Paige's delivery was really strong. Both were very like, good in their deliveries, and the crowd was certainly like, th- like they were reacting to this, to, in, to both of them. In terms of fire, in terms of passion, in terms of confidence, in terms of smoothness, I thought if you weren't necessarily paying attention to the content, it sounded very much, at least from Paige's side, like a go-home segment promo. But you're right. I, com- I That's what I kind of came away from this segment thinking. You know, it was – it felt like it was on its way to being a home run segment and a home run pro- promo from Paige. But when you really listen to the words, you're left asking questions. What does he mean by saying that, you know, Punk uh, vouches for workers' rights, but when he's there, he doesn't He doesn't live up to it? Wh- like, wh- what exactly is he talking about? Wh- what's your interpretation of, of that line? I mean, I t- – you're you're left to interpretation like is he trying to like workers rights like he's and you and i like watching this show this closely we can't be the only two thinking that so it's it's a line that sounded really intriguing when he introduced it but we needed a little bit more like if he was going to go for the juggler and this was the time to do it he needs to exactly spell out what it was that cm punk wasn't doing and the fact that he was teasing his own pipe bomb here i love that by the way about when he said you know, uh, when I said that I was going to destroy you, I didn't mean at the pay-per-view. I meant tonight. And I thought he was about to – like you made people excited thinking that you're about to give us your own version of the pipe bomb on CM Punk. And then he just took it away. He says, I, oh, I'm not I'm not going to do it after all because that's what you would have to do. You know, like I, I guess that logic somewhat makes sense. But come on. When you tease a pipe bomb, you got to deliver. It, this and- would have been more effective to just go for it here in the in this segment and really – you know, do something significant, like give, like give your rationale. And you really are getting off into into left field territory when we're suddenly, you know, getting a promo about workers' rights and stuff and trying to. Turn well, that listen, into- but the, the the point is, you needed to make it personal. And Paige teased a level of anger and aggression that felt personal from him, but he he just he didn't convey what exactly those issues were to the audience. And again, you come out of this with this idea that this guy is that that Paige's assertion is that this guy is a hypocrite. And at the, at the very at the very exactly. That's what it's missing. I think you can at least take away the idea that he has uh, he has a personal issue with CM Punk. But that needed to be fleshed out a lot more like the first confrontation should have been that revelation of what he thinks of as punk. And he did cut that pretty scathing promo on punk at the beginning. Um but you you were just introducing so much here, and now you go into this show on on Sunday that it requires follow up, and maybe mm-hmm. there will be after after Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's. I think the 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 feud is getting hot enough, but I think there's still more to be more story to be told, and I think greater peaks, you know, in terms of uh the the, the rivalry here between these two to, to for us to reach. So therefore, I don't necessarily feel like we're going to get a conclusive ending on sunday i mean maybe we'll get a title change maybe maybe not i'm still kind of going either way but i feel like we're going to get a rematch coming out of this with me especially because punk is playing this kind of so even keeled you know he's approaching this sort of like the veteran who's not too emotionally bothered like he says he's coming here and it's business for him but i think it's perfectly sets up a chapter two in a rematch where punk is now this time taking it more personally and taking it more aggressively maybe page you know leans in a bit more towards the heel side of things i don't know but um, I think this is sort of like if we're talking about on a scale of like zero to, to 10 in terms of like how hot the feud is, um, I think we're maybe at, you know, like a seven and a half when I think that it really has the potential to reach a 10. Are, are you are you pretty optimistic about um, 
how they're going to draw on pay-per-view because, you know, in the past couple of pay-per-views, you know, you can assign like drawing power to many different matches. I would say the success of this show is really on this match. Mm-hmm. And I would say to a lesser degree, MJF and Wardlow, but this is a pay-per-view where we have the undisputed main event. There is no question what the main event is of this show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say more so than Page versus Punk, which of course is, is really great. I think it's more the idea of CM Punk going for the championship. Mm-hmm. That is the headlining thing. And what I mean by, like, by that, you know, is that I want to see a rematch coming out of this where the idea hopefully coming out of it is that Page is ascended to that level. So that the next time they do one of these big matches, I'm not necessarily just thinking about Punk going for the championship as a draw, but Page going, you know, for revenge as, as a draw, perhaps. Um, but, but, you know, I think paid a punk going for the championship alone is, is enough, you know, to, to be a headlining attraction and don't get me wrong. Like I'm talking like, you know, page is, is not a big deal. He is a big deal because he's, he delivers every time in ring. He's incredibly consistent and you're almost guaranteed a, a really amazing main event here. Um, so I think all those factors kind of play into, you know, the attraction of this main event. So yeah, I, I probably wouldn't put it on anything else if, if this does well or doesn't do well. There were promos from Jade Cargill and Anna Jay setting up the TBS title match for Sunday and Anna Jay learning from Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. Jericho uh, Appreciation Society is out and they're doing the, the usual deal now where they cut off Judas, not allowing the crowd to sing. And that sets us up for Private Party taking on John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, which was added late in the day today. The first time Moxley and Kingston are teaming up since September. And to mark this occasion, Terry Funk was... Uh, represented on Eddie Kingston's uh, shirt of choice this week. And they fought on that, the state. That man is responsible for selling a lot of T-shirts. The, the man is moving a lot of shirts uh, yeah. on, on a weekly basis, yes. So uh, first they uh, they start battling on, on the floor. They work out over Mark Quinn. And then Moxley just destroys Cassidy with, with this lariat. Uh, they go through a picture in picture. Quinn then does a comeback with Cassidy. It was almost like very much a babyface comeback by private party and getting in some flips to the floor. Uh, but then we get a cutter and shooting star press from Mark Quinn. Moxley kicks out and then Moxley, they were going for silly string on John Moxley and <laughs> he was having none of this. He stops it from happening, uh, takes off Cassidy's head and then it, Kingston is in with the Urican and Paradigm Shift is delivered to Isaiah Cassidy. And as he pins Cassidy, he's giving the middle fingers to Jericho. Moxley with the pin at seven minutes and 23 seconds. And we get a big brawl afterward between the Jericho Appreciation Society, uh, Moxley, Kingston, uh, Danielson, Santana, and Ortiz are out. Regal announces, I'm just staying here on the desk. I'm not getting involved in any of this. He's not getting his foot caught. No, no, not at all. And they did replay the angle and Jericho did go after the knee and ankle of Danielson. So they continued that. We got some weapons involved and just setting things up for anarchy in the arena. Hate that name, but (laughs) sure, whatever. Um, You know, I was I was wondering why they were were putting private party in this match and not 2.0, for instance, if this was to preview the anarchy in the arena. God, I hate that name. Uh, but I mean, the answer was because, well, I mean, Mox and Kingston needed to massacre whoever, whichever opponents they were going to face. And I mean, this wasn't a complete massacre. You had very much, I think, you know, a private party, like babyface match, because what else are they going to, going to do? That's their offense. You know, if they have any sort of fighting chance to be competitive, they have to do this things like the silly string and shooting star press and whatnot. And they, they really were just kind of, you know, bodies for, for the babyfaces to beat up on in this match. And they did a fine job. It was entertaining, a good show case for mox in his former hometown uh, always good to see the intensity that he brings uh, of course when he's in there with eddie kingston as well then there were comments from the uh the participants in the owen hart cup coming up later tonight uh culminating with samoa joe stating that after he gets through kyle o'reilly i'm coming for you baby and there was something about samoa joe using that line this man is uh <laughs> he's just great he he could he could say most things and it would sound pretty like scary. Yeah. FTR and Rapungi Vice for the ROH tag titles with Bobby Cruz and Caprice Coleman on commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great we've, to hear Caprice. We've had Ian Riccoboni like do the guest spot before. Now this time we got Caprice. I thought he sounded great. So Cash is uh, avoiding the arm bar by Rocky Romero. They had a, a great uh, 
series of minutes together and then rolls to the floor and we have Trent Beretta with a half and half suplex onto cash as we go through picture and picture and during this time Dax gets the tag uh did you did you hear that uh CM Punk believes that uh the match with Dax Harwood was not just the best match he's had since AEW but he thinks it might be the most perfect match he, he's ever had I did not hear that Yes, he spoke to uh, Mark Ramundi. I guess they're doing a big feature on Punk going into the pay-per-view that's coming out this week, and he released that quote. But um, that he said that is the dragon he is now chasing, is the match he had with Dax Harwood. Interesting. Okay. That maybe is maybe he'll able, he'll, uh, he'll chase and catch the dragon with uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, yes, hopefully. Maybe next time. Yes, I know, because that's the name of their finisher. Nice. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's hard. Like, sometimes I hear people say that, uh, say, like, a match that is their favorite. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's surprising because you don't necessarily think about it as their most famous match. Like, maybe, like, you know, what is it? Uh, Foley talking about his match with um, Sean, like, from Mind Games, as, as that being his, his favorite match. It's not necessarily the match that everybody thinks about when they think of, you know, Mick Foley's uh, most famous match, like the Hell in a Cell, for instance. But we also don't know the, like, what a wrestler looks for when they go up for a performance. Like, what, why Punk specifically thinks that that's his, you know, best match so far. But that's really cool. Like, I'm sure it helps people remember it and we'll watch it again probably with a, a different set of eyes next time. I mean, it's, it's an awesome match and maybe you're, mm-hmm. you're putting more on it given, you know, where this is after the comeback. It's like, I'm not, I'm not doing this match at the age of 30. I'm doing it at the age of 42. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, and it was, it was an awesome match. So mm-hmm. anyway, he holds it in very high regard as he's chasing that dragon. Uh, so. Then after the break, we have Dax uh, taking rolling Germans from Trent Beretta and then a bridging German. And he's and Dax has his ribs taped from the Adam Cole match. And Rocky comes off the top with a double stomp to the injured ribs. And uh, so then they set up for strong zero and Cash stops it the first time. But then they're able to recover and hit strong zero. This time Cash tackles uh, Rocky into the two of them, breaking up the cover when all of a sudden, Jeff Cobb and the great Ocon make their way down the ramp and attack all four members of the match. A rare no contest in AEW as Cobb and Ocon uh, ended the match. And well, was it not a DQ? Um, well, they just said the match had been thrown out. So okay. however you want to uh, classify that. I mean, they attacked everybody here. And we saw a tour of the islands to Romero. They they brought up that Jeff Cobb was last seen in AEW when he was Jericho's hitman taking on Moxley. And then a, a doctor bomb putting Dax through the table on the floor. And then Great Ocon sets up Trent Beretta for the Eliminator. And he's on the edge of the apron. And he goes to gesture with the arm to set up the move. And Trent, unfortunately, uh, mistimes this. And he puts himself through a table on the floor. So maybe this will be the greatest explanation where Trent might just say, I am not going to give you the satisfaction of putting me through that table. I put myself through that table. So you will never be able to eliminate Trent Beretta. <laughs> that would be. Dude, th- this was the <laughs> most ridiculous hilarious. thing to, to watch as this guy, like he just looks at the, the thumb and he's like, screw it i'm going through with or without you and he just plunges to through the table i don't know if we've ever had that level of explanation for a botch like a mistimed spot in professional wrestling history before but yeah if somebody were to attempt that and said i mean i didn't want to give you the satisfaction so i put myself through the the move like that would be awesome that would be great uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I mean, that was one of the kind of standout memories coming out of the match. And it wasn't the only, I think, mistimed thing involving the great Ocon here. Because even the ma- the move he did with Jeff Cobb, that sort of like swing neckbreaker uh, Samoan drop deal, that wasn't very well-timed either. So two sort of like big moments, uh, you know, for great Ocon, maybe involving the both of them, that didn't look all that smoothly. Um, you know, the United Empire, like, in in terms of like star power, I mean, I think they're relatively low. Like people seem to know Jeff Cobb, but like you know, Great Ocon. I feel like many of AEW's audiences are familiar with like the big names from uh, New Japan. Maybe the names that you know were there when when Kenny Omega and the Bucks were there. Like, I mean, if if it was a Naito showing up, if it was Okada, if it was Ishii showing up, 
there's a reaction if there's a manure suzuki showing up great Ocon, i don't think elicited that big of a of a, of a reaction um and you know jeff cobb is relatively kind of similar as well I wonder if like this was intentional just to kind of say like this is sort of like your first step into our build towards Forbidden Door or was a Will Osprey supposed to be part of this you think? Uh, it's a great question because Osprey would have been here. He's uh, he, he was set to do a bunch of show or not a bunch, but he was supposed to do um, House of Glory on Friday and Warrior Wrestling on Saturday. He's officially off Warrior Wrestling, and obviously he's not going to be doing the Friday night show either because of this kidney infection. Uh, that's a great question. That would have been um, a, a question if, if you would shoot that big of an angle here. I also wondered like if this kind of tips things that. Because um, Cobb and O'Conn, they're challenging Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens for the tag titles at Dominion, and it would make sense if they win the titles and then they're defending them against FTR and Rapongi Vice after you've already set them up wanting to go for the IWGP tag titles. It seems to be what they're lining up. Yeah, they they mentioned in the commentary both teams uh, supposedly. It's almost bring, too much of a tip off. I mean, uh, it's yeah. very very unlike New Japan uh, to. You know, do do something that is so clearly designed for a title change, unless they're planning for something different to get to that that spot. But I mean, you already cut the promos; they're all wanting to go for the IWGP tag titles, and now you've introduced Cobb and Ocon. Could be a four way, maybe a Forbidden Door with these three teams and and Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Yeah, maybe. Okay, that's a, I don't know. That is a match. All right, um, so. After that angle, we go backstage for one of the most bizarre promos the Hardys have ever cut. They have a lot in common with the Young Bucks. Uh, we both had religious parents and were drug-free and curse-free. They curse didn't swear. Free. Curse-free. Oh, yes. curse-free. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that and they don't, you know, practice, uh, you know, witchcraft. Um, they, we broke in in the early 90s in a different era the Bucks would not have survived in the early 90s. Why? Because they don't have grit. No grit. It's in mm. Short supply these days. And you two are just hardy cosplayers. Tell them, Jeff. Well, young Bucks, we're not in our prime. We are in our overprime. This after like a goat impression that he did? Yeah, I, I didn't know if this was like kind of a kind of a Willow reference. Was it? I, I Willow did goat, goat impressions. Well, I don't know. Willow I don't was remember. kind of, you know, um, half something. So, yeah. yeah, he says that you are two stepping stones for us to become AEW tag champions. You've never been better than us, except for that one time we faced each other and you were. And we were better than you as babies and better than you when we were teenagers you are the elite, but we will delete you. This is such a heel promo from the Hardys. It sounded it was so bizarre. Why? Why do you? Why? I didn't they were get that so sense. smug and so uh, irritating here. I didn't. I didn't sense smugness. I thought they were just confident. You know, uh, th this to me was a heel promo from these two. Interesting. Really interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I think. I think the. We were better than you as babies. I mean, that's You're just, two stepping stones for that's, us. That's not heelish. That's just like, you know, hey, like, uh, we're going into a fight and we're confident that we can beat you because we've always been better than you. That sort of thing, right? But they're lying. If you know all their history, you know, and I would say the vast majority. This whole don't. company is about their history and the, they, have, they have bought the Ring of Honor history. So it is their Fine. history. Okay, well, maybe maybe in a general sense, they feel that like they've had better careers. Okay, but I mean, I think the fact of the matter is, I mean, even though we spent a lot of time in the sort of like having these characters involved in an overall larger feud involving um, the undisputed elite and, and everything, I don't think we've had exactly that much time to focus on this particular matchup itself for something that, you know, is supposed to be is being billed as sort of a dream match here. It was just kind of announced, and then we haven't necessarily had too many in-ring segments or promos where they could deepen that rivalry, deepen that relationship. So this is really about as much as I think you you'd get you get you're going to get something on Friday as well. Um, I thought it was I thought Matt sounded good here. Like I thought it was a good classic style of professional wrestling promo. I can't really speak so much towards Jeff's goat impression nor being in our overprime but to me that's just that's jeff hardy like on the scale of jeff hardy weirdness it was you know probably i mean a five out of ten yeah um I, i'm more so just curious like what um 
what direction they're they're looking for on on Sunday if that this was actually actively trying to elicit a heel reaction, which I don't think they have a prayer of either. I think the crowd's going to just be into both these teams and treating it like a dream match. I think the Hardys will be the underdogs of the match. I mean, it's very clear the 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 Bucks are are still part of the heel faction. You would think so, but this promo was all about setting it the other way. Like you have to I, beat I, I us. didn't read I didn't read it that way. I thought it was just them, like, you know, do, doing some sort of bravado uh, heading into the match. Well, then we had the three-way with Jungle Boy, Ricky Starks, and Swerve Strickland. And some great three-way spots at the beginning of this, including Jungle Boy being sent off of the shoulders into a Rana onto Ricky Starks. Swerve did his flip over the top, landing over Starks and then getting drilled into the rail. Uh, we come back after the break and Jungle Boy hits a flying Rana coming off of the apron, sending Swerve to the floor. And then Jungle Boy goes for a poison Rana off the top and Swerve flips, landing on his feet. And then Stark spears Swerve as he has a Jungle Boy up for a vertical suplex. Then Ricky Starks follows with a Michinoku driver and Swerve makes the save. Ricky Starks then uses a thumb to the eye of Jungle Boy right in front of Aubrey Edwards and proceeds to hit Rochambeau. And it just seemed awkward. The referee just watches this right there and the announcers all called attention to it. There's no DQ though in a three way. I, I guess so. Um, so he can, uh, he can get away with this. He could, he could have gone a lot further, I guess. Could he use the Sean Spears chair? That's right. Sure. Um, but then as Rochambeau is hit, uh, Jungle Boy comes in and traps Ricky Starks in the snare trap. He pulls him away from the rope. Swerve is in with his kick to break it up and proceeds to hit the swerve stomp onto Ricky Starks and gets the win in nine minutes and 35 seconds. I thought this was a great setup for Sunday that when mm-hmm. you're adding the, uh, the three big men to the match, like I think this is going to be a killer match on Sunday. And I, I thought this was, was really strong. I think so too. I'm in total agreement. And it's a, it's a match that I feel like has kind of been under the radar for me. Maybe because, I mean, most of it has been built on Rampage. Um, and I don't know. It just doesn't seem that big in, in, in the grand scheme of the rest of this card. But I thought like a match like this did a whole lot in increasing my interest for it because these three did absolutely great. It was a great showcase. I think for Swerve, especially it might have been, I think Swerve's to me, like maybe his most impressive outing on AEW television so far. Um, and yeah, gave us a great preview of what was to come. And then Hobbs came out to attack, Luchasaurus is out, and then Keith Lee comes out to his music, and it ends with the tail whip delivered to Hobbs, and then with both on the floor, Lee hits a tornillo, uh, popping the crowd, and Lee and Swerve are kind of standing tall at the end of this segment going into Sunday. So uh, I thought this was a good build for the tag title match on Sunday. Men of the Year promo with Dan Lambert. Uh, of course, Lambert. He's not worried about the TNT title being destroyed because he has every belt collector in his phone and, or belt designer on in, on in his phone. So he is going to present Scorpio Sky with a brand new title in his image Friday on Rampage. Hmm. Yeah. So is this just, you know, like a new strap color or are we or are we talking a brand new design for this TNT title? Maybe he's going to get a, de- a title designed and it's going to be Scorpio Sky with Dan Lambert's face on it. Wow. Since Ooh. Sky made him retire the other title so that he can always remember Dan Lambert mm. with this title. Uh, you know, uh, there's a part of me that would love to see it. The bigger question is if this will set up the the mixed tag for Sunday and add yet another match to the pay-per-view. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I really feel like the show has enough, you know, like it's, it, it'll just get lost. I don't think it's any sort of hook, you know, uh, no pun intended for, for the show itself. And I think coming out of it, I don't I don't know how many of us will actually remember it at this point. So why not just save it for TV? You could do that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see if they if they end up. It's it is the match that they have been been teasing like this, this mixed tag. So we will find out Friday. Shivani is with Thunder Rosa. She has no face paint on. She says this is the real me. She never complained. Deeb isn't a champion. There's chance for Thunder Rosa and says that Deeb should blame herself for her cosmetic changes instead of pointing at past companies and says that the war paint comes on on Sunday and she is going to get revenge after Deeb disrespected Shivani and her mentor, Dustin Rhodes. I felt this was Rosa's best promo since she's won the championship. I thought it was a hell of a speech. Firstly, I think the... The visual distinction of her coming out 
only showing half her face, keeping it half shown away from the camera for the dramatic reveal that she had absolutely no makeup on. I thought it was a brilliant way to, to make the segment feel more significant and different from her other promos. It immediately grabbed my attention and told me she was serious. I loved her confidence here. I thought she had good retorts to Deep's promo last week, you know, saying whether or not you agree with it. I mean, here, ultimately, it's trash talking. But she's saying that Deeb's frustrations with the company, having to, you know, shave her head, put in breast implants. She's saying these choices were ultimately hers to make. Um, and again, whether or not you agree with it, I thought it was a, a good trash talk type of retort. And then just her overall fire and confidence in which she used to close the, the segment, repeated mentions of on Sunday, dot, dot, dot. It was, to me, the type of promo that Rosa really sorely needed, I would say, after beating Baker for the title. It's the type of segment that I think will start to actually make her feel like the face of the company rather than just somebody holding the belt. Then uh, Tony, who is very busy, as always, on these shows, is backstage with Red Velvet and asks if she is disappointed after losing to Chris Statlander. Her response was, no shit, Tony. And she has notes, handwritten notes, just like mine, that she hands over to Ruby Soho with the strategy to beat Chris Statlander. Yeah, this was really odd. This was, a, I mean, speaking of ways to, you know, create trash talk, it, this was a really strange um, segment, unless it was to foreshadow something like, I don't like is, is, is um, Soho going to pull out the notebook from under the ring mid match to look up Red Velvet's notes to see this how like she that, can win? That new, um, oh, the new woman in the breakout tournament who's got yeah. the strategy on how to beat everyone. And then yeah. the first match she has, she loses. So. Great way yeah. of getting that gimmick over. Um, yeah, I want to know what was in the notebook here because she gives her the note, like a full notebook of how yeah. to beat Chris Statlander and then says, I hear she's got a bad shoulder and a bad knee. Be like, what do I need the notes for? Like, that's that's <laughs> way more valuable than whatever you've got. What, what do you have here? Like how to Boston Crab, Chris Statlander. She is not as flexible. So if you twist the knees in this angle, <laughs> she will submit a lot quicker. Like, OK, she's got a bad shoulder and knee. That's uh, noted. Maybe and it's then a Solo throws the notes away. She doesn't want them. Uh, maybe it's a notebook with like just the first page, like half of the first page filled out and just completely empty pages. The rest yeah, it's like it. when you get a game, like an app on your phone. But And if you really want to play it, then you got to you know put money into it. It's like yeah. Chris Statlander really hates <laughs> when you do for more yeah. PayPal Red Velvet. Yeah, really. Could you have just given me a piece of paper folded up? You know, you didn't have to give me a whole book. It was really odd is what we're trying to say. Like, I did not think really... we would talk more than 10 <laughs> seconds about this segment when I was uh, taking my long, my longhand notes. I mean, I just thought it was out of character for, I don't know, a red velvet to show up with a notebook. And I think this might have been a way, like, it has to be a way to tease maybe a heel turn for Soho. I have to think, don't you? Like, but it's, it's Britt Baker. So what are we talking about here? Well, no, Statlander, Statlander. Uh, she's facing Statlander first. But then, like, she's not going to go to face on Britt Baker, face Britt Baker as a heel. So I don't know. I'm kind of lost <laughs> with all this. <laughs> well, maybe we'll find out. Like, maybe if Soho wins and then all of a sudden the, the notebook is, is seen, like, in, in her locker room or something. It turns yeah. out she did take the notebook after the segment ended. I think it's okay. stupid. <laughs> this whole thing. On to Britt Baker and Tony Storm in the semifinal match of the Women's Owen Hart Cup Tournament. Uh, Baker uh, drives her into the steps, and they go to the break. Uh, Storm nailed her with this uh, hip attack. And then Baker comes back with an air raid crash. Jamie Hayter comes down to ringside, and this temporarily distracts Baker, who gets rolled up for a two-count. And then Storm hits a swinging DDT to the floor. And then Baker uh, catches her and goes to hook one leg. And Jamie Hayter is there in front of her on the floor, and it looked like she was supposed to assist Baker in getting mm -hmm. the rope, but kind of missed the timing on this one. And so Baker has to grab the rope by herself and gets the pinfall at 9.03. And Storm also comes up with a bloody nose here. And like I've got to say, like the work was fine here, but this to me was the big match built mm -hmm. in, in the women's tournament. And I, I thought this one kind of under-delivered. Yeah, yeah. I thought it started off really strong. Um, I didn't necessarily feel like the crowd. I, I think um, I don't think they they necessarily grew that much. I would say in terms of interest, but I thought they were pretty hot off the top. And unfortunately, that finish was not the cleanest. 
the haters involvement was super weird at the end and it looked mm-hmm. like she was supposed to be the cause of you know baker winning and something might, might have gotten screwed up so you know I, I i didn't know who was going to win this one i thought you could have gone on with either person um it's kind of sucks that you know tony storm has to take a loss because i feel like she's still somebody who needs a bit of establishment here before it but i mean you know, you can lose an AEW. I don't, th- I don't think it necessarily matters. So the question is, like, what is supposed to be next for Tony Storm? How is she supposed to get her vengeance? You would think that it would be against Hater, but the way she kind of, like, figured into the conclusion here, I don't know if it works, really. Is she going to get a rematch with Britt Baker coming out of this? Uh, maybe. Maybe all of those things. Um Anyway, what you're smirking? What do you have to say? What's, so I'm imagining in our in our cleanup promos, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll get Jamie Hader telling, <laughs> you know, Tony, I was gonna help Britt with the rope, but then I knew you would have an excuse for losing, and I wasn't gonna give you the satisfaction by me getting involved. So Baker did it all by herself. <laughs> I love it, man. You should be right. You should be sending in these cleanup promos to this talent. You know, every every single botch has an explanation for it. Yeah, the the I mean, holy grail is the Michael Nakazawa yeah. explanation for Matt Seidel. That to yeah. me was the the ultimate. Like there are no mistakes if you yeah. can have fun with uh, some kind of explanation. That honestly, you give fans any explanation, they'll buy it most times. Like if you acknowledge it and give the the. The slightest we, we, bit of logic. They'll buy it. We know what the deal is and we appreciate, you know, the like us. The, like They're so frustrated with ignoring it for so long that if yeah. you call it out, you've already won them over. Like, oh, my God, sure. they 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 explain that uh, Jamie Hayter had the hiccups and she uh, she inhaled some uh, yeah. some air in Las Vegas and she couldn't pop, properly get the rope to her. Sure, yeah. As wrestling fans. We know this shit is fake. We know it. We just need that little morsel of effort to help us suspend our disbelief. And that's all we ask for. It was supposed to be like that. So Rampage on Friday, which um, they just promoted it as special start time. And uh, we can look up the score, but the Avalanche were winning. So that series could be over. Um, We have Chris Statlander against Ruby Soho. And the winner will face Britt Baker in the finals on Sunday. The Hardys will be in action. And Brian Danielson takes on Matt Seidel along with the reveal of the new TNT championship from Dan Lambert. So that is, that is Friday. Uh, for the countdown to double or nothing, they just said, check your DVR or set your DVR. That's it. They kind of said that for both of them, you know? Yeah, pretty much. They're like, it'll be on sometime. Look it up. What what can you say at this point? The game's not over. You, You don't even know. So. I'm sure they will be hammering it home on social media in on Thursday and Friday, but I mean, your hands are tied. It's you, you tried your best. Main event: Samoa Joe and Kyle O'Reilly. I was kind of curious going into the second hour if they would which of the Owen tournament matches they would close with. Uh, I cannot say they made the wrong call. Uh, O'Reilly, his shoulder, he got the cup therapy, so Joe was targeting the shoulder, and man, did this guy have some uh, markings on his shoulder. Oh, from the cup therapy, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This was a heavy-duty version that he got. I mean, Cu- you don't go halfway with these this cupping, you know? Are there uh, levels to it, Way, when you had had it done? Well, you can – I mean, it depends on the areas that you want to target, you uh-huh. know? You could, you could do your whole body if you wanted to. Was but. it effective? I think you, you – I, I remember um, you telling me you, you Well, I wasn't this. necessarily dealing with, dealing with, like, nagging injury. Like, I, I just more so did it, I think, for um, overall relaxation. Um but I didn't notice anything all that significant. But I mean, the fact that so many people continue to use it, my brother swears by it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do believe that there are effects. Yeah. So, of course, last week, Jay Lethal attacked Samoa Joe's shoulder with the pipe. So that was a big part of Kyle O'Reilly's attack. And I thought the, the striking was great throughout this. And he hits a dragon screw through the ropes and then goes for an armbar attempt. And Joe gets to the rope. Joe nails him with a boot on the floor, and then Kyle goes back to the arm. Joe's eating kicks, and then this part was great. He is just dying from these kicks, and he wills up one last burst of energy to just charge at him with a leg sweep, and then hits a big lariat for a two-count. Kyle goes for a Fujiwara armbar, and again, Joe reaches the rope. His selling was was great. Mm -hmm. And then Kyle removes the tape off of his arm, and... Kyle goes to shoot in and is met with a knee straight to the face and he falls back, bouncing off the bottom rope, 
back at Joe with more strikes. He goes for the O'Connor roll, and Joe turns it into a rear naked choke, and Kyle grabs the injured arm, and he's holding on to the arm to try and do something with it, but the pressure is too much from the choke that he loses grip of the arm and passes out in 12 minutes and 37 seconds. I thought this was um, a really enjoyable match with a tremendous finish. Um, I I thought this was really, really strong. Agreed. Yeah, very good match. Really good, strong technical striking. Very good arm targeting from O'Reilly and fantastic selling from Samoa Joe too. Um, it's, it's the type of match that I really would love to see them, you know, play out in a longer feud on a even bigger stage than I think what this was. But, uh, really high quality from, I think, two guys with very similar styles and, uh, probably two of your best submission wrestlers in the company right now. And Adam Cole's music hit. He came out for the stare down with Joe. And that is how the show ended with, uh, setting up Joe and Kyle, or sorry, Joe and Cole for the pay-per-view on Sunday. Joe and Cole. Like that's a, I mean, that's a hot match. It's a pay-per-view worthy match, you know? So who, uh, who come, any predictions right now for, for the Owen winners? Um, I mean, it seems way too, uh, contrived to do Cole and Baker both winning. I kind of like the idea of both of them losing, but I also don't know about um see Cole and Baker winning would be cool, but it it's not like they necessarily like acknowledge them on screen together as a faction all the time right they they've only te- teamed up that one time yeah yeah so. it's been it's been yeah really limited uh what but I could done. see Cole winning and then maybe challenging Joe again for the r o h championship perhaps. yeah that that one's possible i I see Cole winning and then for for the women's side like really, I saw this as a tournament that would have really kick started Tony storm mm-hmm. um I don't think Baker needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and I, I don't, you- I don't know if Rosa, or sorry, I don't know if, man, uh, yeah, I don't know if Soho is, you know, like, can she, is there still enough hope in her, um, leading the, the division for her, for them to give that her something like the Owen, um, uh, 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 tournament as a big win? You're just throwing out Chris Statlander? No chance? I mean, there's a chance. Yeah. I just don't think, I don't think, Statlander nor Soho are hot enough characters right now. Um, unless, like, you know, we get a heel turn from somebody, but against Britt Baker, that would be kind of strange. It'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, the match could be good. Hey, hockey game update 4 4. Oh, overtime. they tied it. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, Heading into overtime right now. Wow. Okay. Well, if St. Louis wins, that means they play on Friday night. If Colorado wins, then no hockey on Friday night. So, um, wow. We will see how that, that, wow. They were up like, uh, four. It was like 4-1, I think, the last time I checked, if not 4-2. So, mm-hmm. wow, there you go. St. Louis making the comeback. That was Dynamite. Was this an effective go-home show for Double or Nothing? Overall, I would say yes, absolutely, especially in terms of the, the Wardlow program, which, again, I think is one of the best original stories without any sort of hinging on prior star power of any of the par- participants that AEW has ever told. Um and we'll see again if they come, if the culmination, um, is satisfying on Sunday. Um, I think, you know, Punk and Page, we kind of have our slight issues with, um, Page's side and his promo. It was an imperfect segment, I would say, but I thought it was an overall still a very successful segment. Um, and then, you know, you had two, two matches to, um, head into the Owen Hart tournament finals. So I would say, yeah, it was a hot show. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the the Joe Kyle match in the main event. Wardlow and MJF was a tremendous uh, segment. The three way was a really strong match, and I think the face to face at the end of it are people amped for this match. I would say yes, they are. Um, even even with some of the uh the questionable uh content in it, I think people are really excited for that main event, and I think it's going to do very well on on pay per view this Sunday. It'll be interesting to see what number they can they can hit. With, with Punk in such a prominent role, um, I think there's no question. It's like last year's Double or Nothing is listed on WrestleNomics at 115,000 buys. Uh, this year, we don't have a final number for Revolution. They have not done under uh, 145 since uh, last year's Double or Nothing. So I, I think they are going to do significantly above last year's. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, so much of that is just the punk effect, you know, and, and the Brian effect and just the, I think the added star power of this company just over the past year. Um, how high though? You know, does it reach like, what is, the, what is the highest? What's, what's the ceiling of the pay-per-views? And, and well, all and, out last year is the, is the high point of 205. That's, um, and, and that's going to be a tough one to top in, um, in September. So you don't think there's a chance this time around for this one? For this one, I don't see this one topping 200. Um, yeah, I don't either. 
I think I think my prediction would be I would say I think it's going to do like 160, 165. What was what was Revolution? Revolution it, it we don't have a final number. It's a range of 146 to 170. Okay. I see this doing on the high side of what Revolution is estimated at doing. I can see it like 165, 170. I would say very similar. Um maybe maybe a little bit hotter. Maybe a yeah. little bit higher. Maybe it'll surprise us, like Punk in a in a serious drawing match on mm-hmm. top. It it might it might be above that. We'll we'll find out. Um, do we have about an hour for me to just quickly go through the uh, the card for Sunday? Yes, yes, we do. Well, we have one piece of feedback. Let's go okay, to why Muggin don't you, first. Uh, read that. Uh, Muggin says, "I'm glad that I was spared from any finger poke of Doom style scenario in the Owen Cup Finals. Joe Kor was a gritty main event. Joe versus Colt is a fresh match." Punk and Hangman's face-to-face promo was terrific as it casts even more doubt over who will end up on top. Baker and Storm felt clunky, and the outside interference puts a damper on what should have been a layup to get Tony over even more than, but but they played it safe. Wardlow Spears was what it needed to be, and Wardlow's heading into double or nothing with Wardlow is heading into double double or nothing with a full head of steam. Uh, okay, one more piece of here, just in the nick of time here, from Eric from Cork, Ireland, who's currently in Las Vegas. Okay, he says, cool. Very fun show with a lively crowd. The highlight for me was the Wardlow match. Sometimes wrestling doesn't need to be any more complicated than a cool guy kicking ass and doing cool things. This has easily been the best built program for the pay-per-view, and I'm expecting a great payoff. All right. So the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, we've got the buy-in at 7 p.m. Eastern time with Hook and Danhausen versus Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. And based on Tony Khan's comments, it looks like that's probably the only match on on the buy-in. The rest of the card is all promoted for the pay-per-view, and it's led by CM Punk challenging Hangman Hangman Page for the AEW title. Wardlow against MJF. If Wardlow wins, he will be granted his release from his contract with MJF. And if MJF wins, Wardlow will be permanently banned from signing with AEW. The Hardys versus the Young Bucks. The House of Black, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King against Pac, Penta Oscuro, and Ray Phoenix. The Jericho Appreciation Society taking on Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, and the Blackpool Combat Club in Way's favorite, the Anarchy in the Arena match. Now, is this is this going to be any different from um, just a Falls Count Anywhere type of match? Like, what 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 are you expecting in terms of like the gimmick here? That makes I I imagine this is going to be pretty. Um, I imagine it's going to go all over the arena. I'm sure that they you have ten people to work with, eleven if you include Regal. Um, I, I could see them going into like backstage and like elements of stadium stampede, but still centered in the arena. Do we get little pre-taped things? Do we get sort of things that aren't necessarily shot live that are almost like, hey, wink, wink, we're in an alternate reality here as they enter new rooms and like, you know, you get different types of camera shots. Do we get things like that? I, I think the the sky is the limit for this match. I would think if there's going to be any of that kind of creativity, it's going to be in this match with the sports entertainment in sports entertainment guys and then mm. moxley and kingston having to like um pull the yeah. plug on it or something i i certainly hope so because like even though i think there's a real um i mean we don't want to have something that's completely pre-taped of course but there are a lot of great qualities of those um of this of the stadium stampede matches that i think would be sort of a shame to just lose completely in terms of creativity so yeah we'll see it's also a big spotlight for 2.0 to, to have mm-hmm. like their little part in this match. Um, similar for Daniel Garcia. Like th- this is a huge match for, for those three. Definitely huge. I mean, it's their first pay-per-view match. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus defending the tag titles against Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Um, that's one of several matches that could be a, a tremendous opener on the pay-per-view. Um, you could mm-hmm. go many different directions for the opener. Thunder Rosa defending the women's title against Serena Deeb. Your Owen Hart Cup Finals has Samoa Joe against Adam Cole, Britt Baker against either Ruby Soho or Chris Statlander, Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against Anna Jay, and that is the card. 11 matches so far. I can imagine if it, if there's a 12th, then there's the mixed tag. So we will, we will see what this pay-per-view ends up, uh, topping out at, but there's a no shortage of matches. I'm just looking at revolution. Revolution had 12, including the buy-in matches. So that is a, a number they have gone with before. We can see. Yeah. Of course we could see more. Do we see any, uh, surprise appearances? You know, uh, coming out right off of this is, is forbidden door. Do we get more, um, New Japan invasions? I feel you should save those for TV. I think that the, there feels like there, unless there's like a natural reason to do something. Um, 
But if it's something like we just saw tonight, I think that's a lot better suited for for television than it is for this pay-per-view. I do think there's an element of surprise that I think they like Tony Khan wants to give for the paying audience. You know, of course, we we think back to all out. Um, Maybe like we'll have to find out who's in town. Maybe maybe he'll have a another signing, another surprise. I mean, they 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 do want to have like that kind of news coming out of a show as well. How about uh, in terms of title changes? What can you see on this card? I can see Punk winning. I could certainly see Punk winning the the title. Um, outside of that, um, how about the women's? Oh, I don't see the women's title changing. Rose is just starting out. Uh, what I keep about it the on tag? her. Uh, Jade totally keeping the, ta- the, the the tag titles and the main title. I I could see changing. Those would be the two I would look at. Who do you see winning in in the tag? Lee and Swerve would be. I, I think that okay. Swerve has done like a pretty good job since since coming in. Uh, that that would be my pick. I, I don't think Starks and Hobbs would really be uh, my my pick at this point. Hmm. Um, you could also have Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus retain if they feel that there's more to this before they do what seems to be an inevitable split, at least with Christian. Yeah, yeah, because of the Christian element. Yeah, I could definitely see a title change there too. And yeah, Lee and, Lee and Swerve would be great, or even Team Taz. Like, I mean, starts in Hobbs. Yeah, you I think could go with champion. them. It, it it does further that split story for them to lose the belts in some way, and Christian mm-hmm. is, um, you know, somehow either blamed for it or has a plausible deniability um, that he can lean on as as a reason for them losing. So I'm interested in that outcome. What about the main event, Punk and Page? Man, uh, you know, like like we kind of talked about, um. I feel like there's a second chapter in this, and if it means Paige wins this one to somehow escalate the feud, um, I don't mind that at all. Uh, maybe this is the time where Paige cheats, you know? Is that too cliche at this point? I don't know. Maybe. But I see a second chapter with this. Um, or maybe he just simply loses and then just goes off on his own ways. But um, I'm going to go with Paige. Do they announce a location for All Out or if it's going to be All In this year? Ooh, location. Interesting. Yeah, because they can call it all in now. They're 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 putting out like merchandise now of all in. So I don't hmm. think there's anything holding them up from promoting it as all in. I, all I in don't think is it, a better name. Like, but but they've like all out is arguably a bigger name now, though. So what do you? Yeah, do I, I think it's interchangeable. I, I don't have any preference, but they have that option. It w- it would seem like uh, to yeah. do, but do you, do you think they, they announced the, the location on this? Oh, show? that's a great question. Cause when would tickets have to be starting to sell, you know, like for something like that, typically how long for AW do, do, do they wait? Um, like a month I mean, or two, two months. You've, you've, you've got some time. I mean, you've got, you know, it's, it's three months between uh, this show and, and all in. Uh, so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. It's typical that you announce uh, something like that, or or they wait yeah. till next month and announce it on Forbidden Door. Uh, so we will see. Coming back to Chicago with another <laughs> another show. We're all in on hey, Chicago. Up, up, uh, we 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 drag the show out not just because, of course, we we love talking to each other and also to all of you, but we now have a result for the hockey game. Apparently, we're going to Game Six. Wow! Oh man. St. Louis wins five to four, so there will be hockey on Tuesday night, or sorry, on Friday night on TNT. So uh, I don't know what this means in terms of the official start time for Rampage, but they will have hockey to uh, contend with on the network. So set your DVRs. Set your DVR, folks. Uh, that's that's what's going down. All right, Way. It's always a pleasure. I look forward Likewise. to doing this again on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It is the post daily news show. So we will be going live. Uh, also coming your way on Thursday, a brand new edition of Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure as they are going back to 2016, reviewing night two of Rev Pro and New Japan's Global Wars show. You know what matches on the show? Um, tell me. So it's uh, Ketsuyori Shibata versus uh, Chris Hero in the main event, but on the undercard. We have the battle of the dogs. We got Tomohiro Ishii taking on Butch. Oh, <laughs> Butch wow. Dunn. The Pitbull versus uh, the dog with rabies. Yes, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, in retrospect, really a dream match here. You know, who's going to bite the other off, uh, <laughs> other's ears, or who's going to have to, who's going to run away? Oh, my God. You know? Who's the underdog? <laughs> Great question. Yes. Wow. 
Oh, so the Battle of the Dogs will be dissected by Martin and Andrew Thompson on the Rich Thursday. fan, actually. Andrew Andrew was unable to make it. So oh, be Martin. I- it will be Bushby and Fane's wrestling adventure. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you know, Benno, he was at Dynamite tonight. Oh, okay. And he's, yes. got, he's there all weekend. Wow. Amazing. He is. Uh, Chris from LA is going to be there. I believe Chris is going to uh, call in on Sunday after, after the pay-per-view. He'll be there live. Cool. Good. Some, some representation. Say, say hello to them if you see them, everybody, from us. Yes. Um, and then we will be live on Friday night. At what time? Check your DVR. Uh, we will yeah. be live after Rampage and SmackDown whenever those shows are airing. And then Sunday night, we are live here on the channel, free on YouTube.com slash post wrestling, minutes after Double or Nothing, uh, chatting the entire card and then taking your calls. So look out for those shows Friday and Sunday night. Uh, in the meantime, go check out postwrestling.com and follow Way's Instagram. Sure. Why not? Yes. At Way0937. Uh, you know what? You should follow at I am John Pollock on Instagram as well because we are not only professional wrestling podcasters, we're not only F1 experts at this point, we're Lego Instagrammers because that seems to be all we're posting lately on our Instagrams. If you want to see our latest builds, <laughs> that is it. What have we become? Yeah. I'll tell you, the, these stickers, though, are giving me a headache. Awful. These things, I hate oh, it. They're really complicated. I, yeah. I might have to, uh, I might have to FaceTime with you. You know a, a tip? And this is getting incredibly nerdy, but if you really want to go the extra mile, I need you, one. Get, you put a bit of Windex on like a dish and you use a Q-tip and you mm. Q-tip the Windex and you apply that on the piece. That allows you to put the sticker on and you can slide it around on the piece afterwards no before it dries. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got that tip from some of the designers themselves. So uh, nobody's listening at this point, but uh, there you go. A gem at the end <laughs> for all of these sticker appliers. There you uh, go. Yeah. If you want to hear more F1, check out Ask Away. We got more more F1 questions than I was expecting uh, during Ask Away. So there you go. That That's your outpost for F1. Ask Away. There you, you can go. ask whatever you want. That's okay, it. that's it. Uh, we will chat with you many, many more times uh, before Sunday. And that is it. Good night.